AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome to episode 310. This is super cool. Lisa Loeb is on, and she tells a story why she was never invited back to perform on David Letterman. She performed, and something happened, and she was never invited back. Pretty wild story. And also, Shy Carter is on. He talks about writing songs for Tim McGraw, Keith Urban, Charlie Puth. How the Charlie Puth song came together, the massive one, which was, uh, I'm only one call away. That song? I'm only one that one. Pretty cool story. Let's look at the big new music releases of the week. Travis Denning has an EP called Dirt Road Down. Here is the title track. We like Travis Denning. We're a Travis Denning podcast for sure. Uh, number four this week, Ingrid Andrus has a new song with Sam Hunt called Wishful Drinking. At number three, Luke Bryan has a song out called Songs You've Never Heard. Jake Owen has a new song out called Best Thing Since Back Roads at number two. You're the best thing since back roads, baby. Pedal to the metal with the windows down. Sunshine setting on a cross that saved me. Hanging from a rear view red dirt clouds. Two late heavens, one hell of a view. But it ain't got nothing on you. Driving this good old country boy crazy. You're the best thing since back roads, baby. And number one, who I just think she's great and worked with her on American Idol, Lacey K. Booth with Charles Kelly of Lady A. She released her debut EP. Here's a song called Broken Heart Still Beats. Cause it's broken heart still beats waiting on you. 
hear the heartbeat in it? Yeah, you, like, that's pretty cool. We should get her in here. Okay, cool. Yeah, we should reach to Lacey. Uh, some other songs coming out that you may want to check out. Thomas Rhett put out a song called Redneck Be Like. The Weeknd put out Take My Breath. Uh, Maddie and Tate put out a song called Life Ain't Fair. Ashley Cook has a new song with Jimmy Allen called Good Goodbye. Uh, let's see. Scotty McCurry has Same Truck. Cheryl Crow put out If It Makes You Happy Life from the Ryman. Do we have that clip or no? I can find it. That's okay. That's a jam, though. If it makes you happy for all you kids out there. And Carly Pierce put out a new song as well. Album releases. Billy Currington has a new album called Intuition. George Harrison, All Things Must Pass, the 50th anniversary edition. Nas, let's see. Barbara Streisand, Release Me Too, Chris Young. Various, Now That's What I Call Decade, 1980s. Eh. All right, quick news is uh, uh, quick news is Garth Brooks is reassessing the remainder of a stadium tour because of the COVID outbreak. Uh, country star has tipped the Waffle House waitress one thousand dollars. We have discovered who that is. That is Struggle Jennings. Shout out Struggle Jennings. Yellowstone prequel is happening with Tim and Faith. Eighteen eighty three. They'll play the Duttons, and then Nickelback reveal they're working on a new album. How about that? Uh, Lisa Loeb coming up in a second. You may remember the song Stay. You say. Fantastic. I only hear what I want to. This is Lisa Loeb in Nine Stories. I guess that was yeah. her band. But then it did, that disappeared. Nine yeah. Stories. I feel like the first album. Here is Do You Sleep. Because I saw you as you walked across my room. You looked out the window. On the corner of my bed And you smoked with a ghost in the back of my head Now I don't know And I don't care If I am Here is one of my favorites, I Do, from 1997 I do. You can't hear it, but I do You can't hear it, but I do A kid's record, here is Feel What You Feel with Craig Robinson, who you would know from The Office. This won a Grammy. This song won a Grammy. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. So Lisa Loeb coming up in a second. Just a massive, 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 massive fan. All right. Thank you, guys. Here is today's podcast. Hey, we're on now with Lisa Loeb, who I'm a massive fan. You know, just, just so you know, Lisa, I'm a massive fan. I love it. I love it. We both got our glasses. Um, I'm using a virtual background on the Zoom portion of our interview right now. <laughs> you are. It's like so distracting. No wonder my kids get so distracted in their Zoom classrooms, especially my son. And you are in your Zoom background, which I find. You, you, there are pictures of you in your Zoom background. That is you, right? I have, I know. Well, I've, I have this musical that's opening um, this week on Broadway on Demand, and I'm, <laughs> I'm literally like having some kind of acid trip. I don't even, you know, I've never tried acid. But... Um, only a light acid peel on my face. But I, I've never um, used a virtual background, but I have this musical theater poster kind of background behind me. And my face is indeed on it. And I do want to talk about that in one second. But here's how we came together on a weird twist of events is that I have, from your music to your reality show to, um, you know, what the kids record, the kids music, because we did a little kids project too. And I, and I saw how, you know, awesome and difficult that that can be at times. And so I've just always been a fan of yours. And I, I have this show that's on Nat Geo and Disney Plus, and they just knew I was a fan. I didn't send that box to anybody. And I saw you get one of these boxes and I was like, 
Lisa Loeb got one of these boxes and she posted about it on Instagram. I thought it was one of the coolest things ever. And so my producer was like, hey, why don't we reach out to her because she has a, a Broadway project we can talk about. And that's how it came together. They, Disney knew I was a fan of you, sent that to you. You posted it and here we are. I, it's crazy. You know, I have to say um, every day when we finally did get in person in school with my kids, there's a huge billboard of your show up. <laughs> and as I'm driving my second grader, now he's going to be a third grader, every day to school, it was like so um, aspirational to see a picture of you with all those like tools and weapons and <laughs> a lot of stuff and, I wasn't good at using, honestly. Well, it was it, it was sort of aspirational because my son is super into swords and you know anything that's like uh, something I don't really want him playing with. Basically, <laughs> is what he's into. To see it up on a poster and know that we get to watch a show about somebody who does get to play with all that stuff, um, it was very aspirational. And so then. Um, I did get a box of really, it was a really nice promotional box. That's like one of the nicest ones I've ever seen. It had like a Yeti water bottle and like work gloves, like a really nice lunch pail. Like I want to go somewhere and like bring You want to go have lunch just because of that? Yeah, that, that's, well, I'm, I'm super pumped that you're here. Has anyone ever come up to you and said, hey, you look like Lisa Loeb, not realizing that you are her? That happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Actually, there was a guy who was helping me. <laughs> I, my toaster oven broke last December. And, you know, it's like this big, it's this really important uh, piece of equipment in our kitchen, the toaster oven. And then I realized I want one of those air fryer toaster ovens, you know, where you can like make your fake chicken wings and French fries. So I kept trying to do research and I finally realized, okay, this is the one that I want, this Breville, this one company. And then I started looking and I was like, oh, you know, I'm one of those people who has to overthink everything and like do all the research. Finally, I was like, I'm going to get this. And I went to Bed Bath & Beyond. I'm going to get it. They didn't have it. They had it on display, but they didn't actually have <laughs> it. But the guy from the company walked in. He had his company name on his mask and on his hat. And I was like, oh my gosh, do you know where to get this toaster oven? So for weeks, he was calling all these different stores, even from Bed Bath & Beyond. He was calling like Sur La Table and like William Sonoma. I'm like, dude, you can't make a speaker phone call at Bed Bath & Beyond calling other stores. He's like, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool. And he finally, he tracked down the one last remaining toaster oven thing in the whole state of California for me in the right color. And I was like so happy. I was like, God, that guy was such a great rep. Like he was so nice. He really cared about getting me that toaster oven. And then at the end, he texted me and said, oh, and by the way, if you're ever playing a concert in town, you gotta get <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, I thought he was, I thought I was just like a nice lady he was helping. <laughs> but no, people always stop me and say that, or they say, oh, your glasses look like Lisa Loeb or whatever. Yeah. Do you go, that is me? Because that's an awkward thing, because people will do that to me times too. Like, hey, have I ever told you to look like Bobby Bones? And, I, and it's weird to go, I am him. It's, 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 it's kind of that weird, do you yeah. ever go, that is me? Or do you go, yeah, I get that sometimes. I think it might cool when I was more cool, like in, in my 20s and my, more like hip and like, yeah. I might have said like, yeah, I get that a lot, but I would say, yeah. But then I realized as I've gone along, um, you kind of want to treat everybody like a grandma. You're like, yes, it is. You know, like let enjoy their moment with them so that they can enjoy their moment more and not be the one who's like, uh, I mean, I've done both. I've done like, yeah, I get that a lot. Or, um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Do you, what do you do? Do you give them the enjoyment of like, it is. I am. Well, I am. Yes, I do look like, well, I am Lisa Lowe. And right now I have on clear glasses because usually if I wear clear glasses, nobody stops me. Nobody knows what I look like if I wear clear glasses. So I never right. get stuck. So 
if, but if I am wearing my normal glasses, someone will say, hey, does anyone ever tell you like a Bobby Bones? Depending on if I think they hate me or not, because sometimes if they're just not, I just know they're just, they are not a fan whatsoever of comedy or radio show that I do. I'm like, I do, yeah, I do get that a lot. Crazy. He's a real, he's a real loser, huh? And <laughs> it depends how they play it back. But most of the times I'll be like, hey, that, that's actually me. Thank you. You know, most of the time exactly. I do. You yeah. Have to figure it out. I know in college, actually, um, I was taking dance class and it was African dance and I was really not good at it. And I had a couple pair of contact lenses for auditions or whatever, but I'm kind of allergic. So I can't wear them really much, like maybe to a 3D IMAX movie or something every once in a while. But even that I don't do anymore or like for an audition, I'll wear contact lenses. Or if I'm trying on glasses, you have to wear contacts so you can see what they look like. But um, anyway, I, I purposefully do not wear glasses at my final um, my final African dance class out on the middle of campus because I didn't want anyone to see me and be like, oh, there she is. And literally my friends didn't even see me. They couldn't. In college, I wore glasses too. And in high school, people just didn't even see me without my glasses. They didn't recognize me, people that I knew well. Yeah. I have three music questions for you, if um, if, if you'll allow them. Um, my first one is, when you when you put together a set list, like, do you still play all the massive hits? Like, do you feel like you... you are going to play that for the fans regardless, even though you've made so much music in between, you know, 1994 when Stay came out or Stay went number one to today. Like, do you put them all in? Where do you put them in your set list? Do you open with a big one? Do you close with, you know, Stay? Like, what happens there? This is all very well thought out. It's been a process over 30 years to, like, really uh, home in on and figure it out. I put Stay. I always... Well, it depends. If there's a bunch of fans and they have so many um, requests that I don't end up playing Stay, that's fine. But I am really aware of it. Um, I remember early on when I played at CBGB's and I remember my drummer, who I'm still friends with now, he was my drummer at the time. He was like, oh, I can't believe we have to play Stay. And I'm like, that's one of the songs. Like, you know, it's like one of every other song. It happened to get really, really, really popular right now. But there are people driving in from New Jersey and stuff to like see us play that song. Like, we got to play the song. Um, so I, I understand being a music fan myself, if I go see Hall & Oates, which is an old example, but if I go see Hall & Oates, I want them to play Rich Girl. I want them to play Kiss on My List. I want them to play those songs, you know? Like, I respect the fan who knows that song, and that's it. And, you know, I, and I know that it's, again, it's like that grandma perspective. You see people really enjoy it, and they, they have a really close connection with it. And it's a song I'm very proud of. So I play it. I do play it about halfway through the set because early on when I was doing a lot of radio shows, when the song was really popular and like outdoor radio shows, where it was a bunch of different artists, if we played it early in the set, people would just walk away. They're like, okay, I heard the song. I'm like, oh my God. Usually I play seated theaters now, so it's not an issue. People don't get up and leave. Um, but I do love giving the people a hard time who do get up and get a beer uh, during during the middle of my set, I'm like, how can a person get up in the middle of a theater show to like go get a snack or whatever? And then they come back in and they request stay later in the set. I usually do request. I'm like, uh, you know, when you got up to leave, that's when I played the song. <laughs> and, but anyway, so I play stay in the middle. Um, I usually play my song. I do at the end, which was also like a top 40 hit. And then I usually start the set with something upbeat and I mix up new songs and old songs and songs that I have stories about and songs that are upbeat. And I also have a, usually a few kids songs I play in my grown up set and I usually play some requests as well. But I try to mix it up because you can kind of feel the crowd, um, you know, they're in engagement. And usually uh, 
I, I like to, I, I have different categories for songs in my head and I like to split them up so that you kind of, you get a good, again, a good range from the beginning to the end. You don't feel like you're hearing, you're like some concerts I go to, I'm like, are they still playing the same song? Like what's, what's happening? I remember you playing David Letterman and I, I looked it up. It was 1994. Cause I was a huge David Letterman fan. He was my hero. And I was a huge, yeah. huge fan of yours. Do you remember what it was like playing that show and Dave actually coming over afterward and like being like, Hey, how are you? Cause it seemed like he was a big fan. Well, that's an interesting thing too. I was a huge fan of Letterman. I joined his fan club when I was a kid. I signed up for the fan club in the back of Rolling Stone magazine. I think I did it too. Cause I love kitschy stuff. And like he sent out a fly swatter and like all this weird David Letterman stuff was like the, the uh, David Letterman fan club. Um, and so it was really exciting being on a show. I felt very like-minded uh, with David Letterman. I have, I, I like having a dry sense of humor, and I, I just have been a big fan of like Father Guido Sarducci, and um, I don't know, like a, a lot of different comedians. Um, so when I went on the show, I felt like, oh, this is so cool, you know. And I, and it was really cold there. We didn't speak to Letterman at all. He didn't speak to us. And we played and it was like a big deal, you know? And at the end, I was being coy and I played and, and he came over to say, thank you so much. And I went, and I like, I, I pet him on the shoulder. Like I went, like to pet him like that, you know, as if this is his, here's a water glass. Um, later I found out they thought I put a sticker on him and they never asked me to come back. Again. <gasps> no way. That's what I heard. That was the story. I was like, what? What? I know. And I'm friendly with like the producer of the show and I'm friendly with, um, you know, the band, Will Lee and all those guys in the band. And I was like, this is so weird. Cause you know, you go on Conan and Conan's like a person. You, you have a conversation with him. He's like a, a person. Like a real life human Letterman, being. Yeah. Letterman didn't act like a person to me. And I was so sad about that because you know, we are huge fans, right? There's some people you meet like, Sandler, he's a person. You like you have a conversation with him. Um, but Letterman, I still I'm, I'm still waiting for the day when I can like have a conversation with him and understand what is going on. You know, I've heard that from quite a few people who have done that show where you don't meet him. He might come over and it's very cold and then you just go away. It's, I mean, the sticker thing, I've never heard that story before. The, the part about going on and him not coming over and giving you a big hug or like Jay Leno, Jay will go over when he was doing that show or Jimmy Fallon. Visit you backstage. Yeah. Jay Leno would come to the dressing room every time and say, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. Like ask, how's your mom and dad? Like if he had met them before, like he had every, he was prepped, you know, he knew. Um, but Letterman, you know, and, and it's hard, you know, it's showbiz, like, like meeting people who they are versus who their persona is. You know, you see them on TV, you're like, we could be friends. We should be friends because we have the same sense of humor. And, you know, I listened to Bob and Ray growing up and I bet Letterman listened to Bob and Ray growing up. And like, we have the same sense of humor. And then you don't actually even, you meet like shaking hands or when they're speaking to you, they're not like they're speaking to you. Like we're speaking to each other right now. It's so weird to be on a talk show and the person's not actually connecting and speaking to you. It's weird. And that never resolved itself, huh? No. I mean, weird. That's weird. Letterman's listening. He can connect. I'm yeah, happy. no, I would love to connect all three of us. We just get in a room and, and, and have it. Hash it out. Just hash it out. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with Cheap Caribbean Vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget Beach Finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. I do want to talk about your project together apart. So let us start with like what 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 was the inspiration behind getting this together? Well, it's um, it, it's a little bit of a long story, but I went to Brown University in Rhode Island, and because of COVID, um, basically we can, we can start any sentence lately of because of COVID. Because of COVID, we started having some interv- I mean some Zoom reunions. So we had brown Zoom reunions last summer. Um, there was like an LGBTQ one, and then that led to a, uh, a Zoom theater people uh, reunion, and then that led to a musical theater reunion. And during that reunion, one of the more organized uh, professors, there's a lot of professors who, a lot of people who I graduated with who are now like theater professors and writers and actors and all the, and some people are doctors. But anyway, um, we had pages and pages of people. So a friend said, let's go around and each person say what they're doing, how, how COVID is affecting them. So that that's how we it, it came together through a Zoom reunion. And for a lot of us, even though it was strange being at home during COVID, it's also been a really creative time for a lot of us who normally live lives in a different way to be communicating and connecting through Zoom. And that's also what the musical is about. If you guys want to watch it, it's at togetherapartmusical.com. You can go there. It's the Broadway on Demand platform, togetherapartmusical.com. Am I saying that right? Like that's the, that's yeah. the, okay. It's called Together Apart. And originally we thought the artwork would say Together Apart, Together Apart. Because, you know, it's like when you're in Zoom, you're in these little windows and you're together, but you're also separate. And yet, like when we wrote the musical, even the meta side of it, um, there were people in Italy and Germany, California, Chicago, New York, Ohio. We were all connecting in this amazing way and getting to be better friends and collaborating. 
Um, and although we were so apart, we were also together. So, you know, I think there's a lot of focus on that during this time. I don't know if you found that during this time. Like, were you at home doing most of your... Uh, oddly, we were out shooting that show. I would do my radio show every day, but we would shoot Breaking Bobby Bones, that TV show. We did it right in the middle of COVID, all of it. And it was extremely difficult. But a lot of the time on the road was being locked in a hotel and having to quarantine before we all got together. So even though I was out, you're still kind of alone. It, ours would be out and alone instead of together alone. It'd be out and alone, out and alone. But you guys go to togetherapartmusical.com and proceed to support the Actors Fund, an organization that provides emergency financial assistance to members of the entertainment community. And so that, that is fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations yes, on, on getting something up and going. There were so many people who, you know, were friends with a lot of professional actors and not everybody is like, you know, able to make a living during this time. It was really tough. So the Actors Fund has really come out to help not only actors, but people behind the scenes. And we were able to raise uh, over $30,000 so far for the Actors Fund. And you can still do that. Um, to watch the show itself is free on this great platform. But like you said, you can go straight to the website togetherapartmusical.com and you'll see where to, you know, uh, sign up and it, you'll, you'll be able to watch for free for a few weeks. And, you know, it's very, it's, I've, I've heard a lot of positive reviews. It takes you a lot of different places. Well, if you'll allow me to talk about your music career for a second, cause I, again, I'm such a big fan of, of your music. You're, are you going, you're going back out on the road, right? In September and the fall. Are you excited about that or no? I'm I'm um, excited to see fans, yeah. and I have been doing a lot of live streaming shows and connected again, connecting with people in England and all over the place. Like doing these live shows, I, I miss performing in person. I did an event in San uh, Santa Fe the other day, but it was like in an open air. It was an indoor space, but with all these huge doors that open to the outside. Um, I'm nervous with the Delta variant, I've got to say. Yeah, me too. We have... Uh, things have changed now all of a sudden. Agree. We have three f music festivals, my group does, and that we're putting on festivals, entire festivals ourselves. And I'm starting to get nervous about it too, frankly. And it, these are outdoor, and but you know, yeah. it, you are seeing so, things go back up. And so are you kind of like, I have these shows scheduled, but I don't know? Um, I I had the caveat when I... When I booked the shows that look, if things are not looking good, we're going to do everything to be safe. Right. Um, there's a little bit of an issue in that I look back in the nineties when I started, well, I was playing concerts all through the eighties and nineties. It used to be the thing. Everybody was smoking, right? And you would go to a concert. I don't know if you knew this and you would go to a concert and you'd come home and your clothes smelled like smoke. And when you're on stage and everybody's smoking, it's like, I, I used to tell the club owners and the theater people, I was like, look, we're not going to have any smoking. You have to tell everybody it's a no smoking show because I don't want to be a singer in this room with a bunch of smokers. And they used to give me a hard time and say, well, we can't ask the audience to do that. That's not cool. And I said, you got to do it. I don't want to play a show, you know, where people are smoking. So they would do it. But with the mask thing, I said, look, you got to ask the audience to wear masks. Like they're not even, they're not even going to be like, lower capacity or sitting far apart from each other. It's not an outside show. These aren't outside shows. And I've been hearing since the government or the states or whatever can't mandate the masks, I can't either. So right. I, I'm living day to day. I'm hoping that these shows are going to happen. I'm so excited to see my fans. I love playing music. I put a record out right before COVID. I've got a million songs and stories to tell. And it's so fun to connect with the audience. Safety first. Let's see as we move forward. Uh, this is my life. I want to play a clip of this. I, can she hear clips, Mike? Yeah. 
Okay, let me play a clip of This Is My Life. Then I woke up, didn't know if I had fallen back to sleep. Was I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Is this happening to me? Yeah, I woke up and I noticed all these little So this is from your album, A Simple Trick to Happiness, but you, you put it out right before the pandemic. Did you feel like any sort of, you know, any sort of, you know, uh, press that you were doing, any sort of momentum that was being built was all lost immediately and the record kind of floated away or did you were you able to keep it going through the pandemic by by doing stuff on social media yeah it was it was just it it was just it evolved it changed you know it's funny when 2020 started i always since 1994 or earlier my friends and i as a joke would make up like a catchphrase for the year like more in 94 which meant like more drinking and i still never did enough drinking so in 2004 that came back again more in 2004 um, and in 2020, it was like, see you in person. Part of it was like, I'm going to see people in person in 2020. I'm going to really connect with people. And then, you know, a few months in, it's like, well, you're actually not going to see anyone in person. <laughs> and uh, But it evolved because we ended up connecting with so many more people through Zoom than I probably would have connected with in person, maybe. And even my neighbors and, like, people in my own community I, I really connected with. But um, it just changed, you know. Uh, luckily, we had shot a video for every single song already. Um, so we put those up. It was just a time, you know, in, in the back of my head, I think I'd always been trying to grow my social media presence, my connection with my fans through, I didn't know about Zoom, but, you know, through through virtual concerts and stuff. So it gave me finally an opportunity to to learn my technology in my house a little bit better. I'm not in my house right now. I'm in Texas, but in my own house, I've got lights and I've got really good Wi-Fi and I like, I know how to set up all my stuff. So it became a time of learning and connecting with people in other ways. And definitely it's a bummer. I mean, I had gone to Japan because the album always comes out first in Japan. So I did get to go to Japan before COVID. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it was just a different time. Let's say. Together Apart, I want you guys to check it out. It's a collection of new short musicals written, composed, directed by, and featuring Brown University alumni, of which Lisa is. She's spearheaded the musical. It does premiere today, August 6th, on Broadway On Demand and available to watch for two weeks on the Broadway On Demand platform. You can go to togetherapartmusical.com for more info. Togetherapartmusical.com. Um, well, I will, I'm will. i definitely going to go check it out. I'm a massive fan of yours. Thank you for taking the time to you know hang out and, and tell me some stories. And again, just appreciate your time, Lisa, and good luck with the project. And congrats on your show as well. I hope to meet you in person one day soon. One day, when you come through Nashville, because that's where I am, and you're doing a show, and we're able to not get COVID, I will be there. I will be there, <laughs> and uh, I will be singing along. Great, and you'll bring some grits. And I'll bring for me. you. Got it. All right, bye, Lisa. Bye. Thank you. Take care. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. 
From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to reu hotels and resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. We are good. All right, in studio now with Shy Carter, who comes in and brings the energy. We went on. Before we went on, he's like, woo, party. I'm like, you didn't wake up when we did. We woke up at 3 o'clock this morning. Woo-wee. And, and you said you just woke up. Yes, I did. But you've been on the road all weekend, right? Playing? Yes. Were you at Watershed? I was. Pretty cool up there, huh? It was amazing. The, the view was incredible, man. Difficult to get to. Yeah. But worth it once you're there. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And what? how did you and McGraw become friends? Because on Instagram, I saw a picture of you with him. Because I think you did a song with him. I did. Yeah. yeah. But, but I've seen you with him. And I remember talking to Tim maybe a year and a half or so ago even. And he was talking about you. Mm. So how did that relationship come together? Well, it's been a long, uh, long time thing. Um, Missy Gallimore, she's uh, Byron Gallimore's wife. And Byron produced all the Tim Tim and Face records, and uh, because I did Stuck Like Glue with uh, Sugarland back in 2010, and Byron produced it. So one day uh, around that time, I was here in Nashville, and I met Missy. She said, "Hey, you know, uh, you're Shy Carter. You did that song with my husband." I said, "Yeah." She was like, "Would you like to work with Faith Hill?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> so you know, next thing you know, I was like pulling up to their house, and uh, Faith was just like such an amazing. Uh, she just showed me so much love and was so nice. And then eventually I met Tim and, you know, we did a couple songs on the album that they did together. I did speak to a girl for them and uh, they just always just show me love, man. And it's, they like my music and they've just been so kind to me. So we just became friends. And whenever I got something, man, he helps me out. Or, you know, When you say you did speak to a girl, you produced that for them? I wrote it. You wrote it for them? Yeah, I was one of the writers. Oh, uh, so did you get that to them? purposefully or did you write it and go i think this is good for this project that you're doing um we we got it to missy because missy would would always find songs for them and still yeah. does and she's just a beast at it and um we actually wrote the song in jamaica uh me and these two two other writers and missy got a hold of it I think bmg might have sent it to her or yeah. something and she she fought hard for it she's like we need this song you know i was like hey cool i, I love for y'all to have it where'd you grow up all over the place. I tell people I grew up in Memphis because that was like my main formative years. But, 
you know, outside of Memphis, outside Atlanta, we're in this small little town in Michigan. Like, <laughs> what moved uh, you all over the place? Uh, my dad, he just, they, they always say are we a military family, which he was in the Marines, but at that time he was working for the IRS and wherever we would, he would get a promotion, that's where we would go. So what was it about music as you're moving around? I mean, was that a stable part of like your childhood? Because regardless, because I moved around too a lot. Mm. Was music to you always important? Because regardless of where you went, you still had it? You know, I never even looked at it like that, but that's absolutely true. Yeah, because I just remember riding, when we had to leave a place, just riding and crying and listening to the songs, <laughs> like listening to uh, Boys to Men songs and Mama playing Tracy Chapman and Van Morrison. And uh, uh, there was, yeah, I can't remember another one. But Whenever yeah. you guys are, are moving around and you're a kid, are you playing music at all? And where did, and why, what got you into actual, like, I think I want to do this for my career as a songwriter? Yeah, um, when I was in Memphis, I was like 10, 11, 12. I started, I, I remember I got a keyboard from my uncle when I was like 11 years old, and it had these little pre made beats. You could kind of make the beats and hit a couple chords on there. And uh, so I would have a beat going, and I would just make these rhymes and just make whatever little silly song I could to it. Um, and I just loved it. And I would just be in my room also just pretending like I'm singing to a crowd and stuff. And sh like shortly after that, I formed a little group and we sang at talent shows and stuff. Uh, like we sang at the Mid-South Fair. We won the talent show at the high school. What kind of group? Was it a singing group? Like a boys to men type group? Yeah, yeah, just like that. And a lot of times we didn't have the music we wanted, so we would just sing it a cappella. They had the good harmonies. I couldn't even sing the harmonies. I had to like close my ear so I wouldn't jump on their note. They they were good with the harmonies. I just sing the middle note. and But I just loved it so much and then eventually I found a, a guy who, um, I, I was working at Sears, and there was a guy named Chris who, and this is in Memphis, who um, was giving out uh, cars that he was selling selling beats, for like 75 bucks or something. So I went over there, got cool with him, made my first song with him, and I just had the bug after that. Did you pay him 75 bucks? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, 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 what happened was, was was what I was hoping would happen, that we, we, got, we got cool and we just wanted to work together. So, you know, he was very kind and just helped me out and tried to help him out where I could. So how did that bring you to Nashville? Because you've been pretty prevalent in kind of my periphery mm. for the last few years because I, I mentioned to you, maybe even off the air, like Keith Urban and I are, are buds. yeah. And, you know, I went over to his house once and he was like, he's just playing some stuff from, from you. And he was just so high on you. And Keith is like next level. Sometimes mm -hmm. he, I feel like I know music, you know, play it a little, studied it, learned. But he like talks in a language sometimes I don't even understand. Yeah. Like he's just in a different planet. Yeah, he's brilliant, man. And when he's talking about how much he really like loves someone's music and sound, I'm like, okay, I should listen to this. Oh, man. And that was you. And so... First, I'll ask you about Urban. How did you guys get in kind of that same little little world? And But then what is it that brought you to Nashville? Cool. Well, once again, Missy Gallimore, she, <laughs> <laughs> she was finding songs for Keith, too, and she yeah. put a Keith camp together. And so she just called me and asked me if I wanted to come. That was a few years ago. And, and I went and, well, actually, I just did a couple sessions with him first. Actually, that song, Speak to a Girl, he loved that song. And so I wrote with him and a guy, uh, Dave, that I wrote that song with was um and yeah we just hit it off he's just real cool we like to talk talk about 
you know, the songs just flowing and coming um, and not not overthinking it, just 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 letting it flow. And uh, he's just he's just a brilliant dude. Obviously, he's incredible on the guitar. And it's just fun to like create with him because he wants to push the envelope. He wants to make something new and, and fly. So yeah, once Missy's managing me now, so because <laughs> she's hooked me up with everything I ha- I've had, man. So uh, oh, I want to play. Oh, you're good. These mics come and go. Um, I want to play some of these these songs real quick. So your first, your first number one. I'm trying to look at years here because I've got it all. I've got your whole life right here. <laughs> um, 2009, someday that you wrote that Rob Thomas recorded. Yes, sir. Did you write that with him or did you write that for him? He wrote most of that song. But so you wrote it, but you but you wrote it with him. I wrote it with I wrote it. I started it with uh Matt Serletic, who's produced all of the Matchbox 20 and Rob Thomas albums. I started it with him and then they finished it together. Okay, so I'm gonna play some of this. Here's someday. What do you mean you started? Like, tell me the process of this song because it doesn't sound like you're all three. Like a lot of songs do, they come together at different points at different times, and years later sometimes. Mm-hmm. You started it with Rob, is that with Matt? Okay, and then Rob finished it. Yeah, they finished it together, and so I don't know exactly how that how that was. Did you I ever meet there. Rob? Never met him. You, in you my never life. met him. That's crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's like sometimes you'll see or you'll listen to a duet from two two folks, and you'll be like, "I love it," and then you hear an interview, like, "Yeah, we didn't sing it together. We don't even we we not we never met." Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, that that's pretty wild that you still haven't met the guy. He's in Nashville a decent amount too now. Yeah, yeah. I went to his show. That's singing, funny. Like, Wait, you went to his show and you still didn't I meet still him? Still haven't met him, man. It's like I'm trying to see how long I can make it that's without funny. meeting him. <laughs> Here is "Stuck Like Glue," uh, number one for Sugarland from 2010. So a couple things about this song. One of one of the guys that I listened to a lot as a kid, and you know me growing up in the '90s, it was a lot of alternative rock. It was a lot of hip hop, and growing up in Arkansas for me, it was a lot of country. So that was kind of my three, my tent poles. Yeah. But I went to more Better Than Ezra shows than mm. just about anybody. Damn. And I got on stage once with Better Than Ezra, and they were like, they're like, who knows how to play this time of year? And I, I did. And I was like, I do. And so I was pumped. I was gonna get up on stage, and they handed me a guitar, and I'm left-handed. And I was like, "You guys have left guitar," <laughs> and they didn't. So I didn't get to play it. Oh man! But to tell dude. Kevin that story now, and Kevin and I have become friends. But you wrote that song with Kevin, the lead singer of Better Than Ezra, yes, and then sir. Christian and Jennifer Nettles from Sugarland. Yes, sir. How did that write come together? That was cool. I had just gotten to L.A. because the the Rob Thomas song was going, and I talked to my publishing company. I was in Atlanta. I was coming to Nashville. I was hearing the music in Nashville for a few years, and I was like, man, I want to do that. Um, but they also said that they could just get me more rights if I came to L.A. So I went out there, and actually there was a guy named uh, Casey Robinson that was working for BMI. He said, you should write with Kevin Griffin. I was like, cool. So I met up, and we wrote one one session. It was great. We had a great time. And that was the second time we uh, hooked up. Um, and we just we just wanted to write a song, and... He he put up some drums in the computer, and I, I had actually broken my drum machine. I used to go everywhere with this big old drum machine, an uh, MPC, and I had I had broken it. So it, it brought me back to what I used to do with my friends, just beatboxing and beating on things. 
So I didn't. I said, man, just give me a guitar. I just started beating on it and just making the sounds with my mouth and stuff. And he loved it. And we put the little loop together. And we just that was just that's just a simple song. We just we just threw together, just trying to make something. And, and we got a lot of it done. And he was like, this would be perfect for Sugarland. And I was like, really? You you know Sugarland? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, my drummer from Better Than Ezra was playing drums for them. So he sent it to them. He said, leave you know leave space open. They want to write on it too. And, and they did, and they, they made that a wild bridge on there and everything. Man. I mean, that was a massive song. <laughs> massive song. Have you met them? I have. Okay. It would have been funny if you had it. If every song you hadn't met the person. Uh, did you know Better Than Ezra at all from Kevin? Like before you met Kevin? Or was that not really? Because you're probably not as old as I am. Uh, I'm close. Okay. Did you know <laughs> them at all? I I knew the songs. I didn't really, you know. Sometimes you just hear yeah, songs yeah. that got big, and I didn't realize that that, that was him. Did you know? Whoa, oh, it's good. Yeah, yeah. So sure, that song's massive. But you're in California. What what made you move to Nashville? Well, before I had moved out there, I was coming up here um, to see a young friend I had up here, and. And her uncle was playing. I remember it was like 2007, 2008. And the thing that really made me um, gravitate towards the music here was hearing like the live instruments, the way they would mix the songs, just the, the beautiful songs. And I heard, whatever it is, it blows me away. And every time I try to tell her how I feel, it comes out, I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's like Brown Band. And like I started hearing all these songs that it just like kind of refreshed my soul, man. And it reminded me of the songs I grew up on that were like Van Morrison and Tracy Chapman that really my mom was playing. And there wasn't really a, a big, the, the R&B genre had kind of shrunk. And you, you couldn't, like when I grew up, you could write, like Baby Face was writing these songs for Boys to Men that would go number one in, in the top 40 charts. And then also like you had songs like I'm Amazed by You or or which became a, top 40 song too but you had songs like i swear like all for one i loved all for one and then there was a country version of that song you know um so that what i loved about the r&b songs and stuff was always right there in, in country music it was always the same and so it, it just clicked in my head that man i need i need to be writing this music like this en encapsulates what i want out of music right now and there's no other place for me to write it except for in country music and in Nashville. So I was just always coming down here and I, I had a place, Carla Wallace at Big Yellow Dog, she had an apartment above her her um, her publishing company on Music Row and she rented me that apartment. So I was just splitting time uh, between here and there. And Missy used to always tell me, come down here, come to just move down here and just leave. I just like, man, I, I, I'm not ready to leave LA yet. But eventually I left, I went to Santa Barbara, I was tired, the air's bad, too many people. I relaxed in Santa Barbara for a minute, and then I came down here and hit it hard, baby, <laughs> way out in the country. How long have you been here now? Like, full-time? Um, three years. So, I want to yeah. go to 2015. It don't hurt like it used to, Billy Currington. Yeah. Here's a clip of that. This Did you write this one here in Nashville? Yes, sir. So, what was the... Was this your first big Nashville, like you were in Nashville with Nashville folks getting a Nashville hit? Was this the first one? I guess it, I guess it was, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Did it feel different because of that? Like you, you kind of had, you know, put yourself in this Nashville culture and now you've actually done it here as well? Yeah, because actually it was hard for me to connect 
because I didn't realize that the writers here in Nashville would book their sessions out like four or five months in advance. So I would just pop up and be like, y'all want to write? And, you know, some people like the Warren Brothers, you know, they would they would make make room for me. But I couldn't get, you know, my I couldn't get everything moving the way I wanted it to because I didn't I was just on my own. I didn't have really a manager or a publisher that was connected down here. And so uh, that's why I wasn't having a, a, a lot of success. And Billy was a, a great friend of mine. I had known Billy through Carla Wallace as well. Um, I put a talk box on one of my songs and he heard it. He was like, what is that? What is that sound? I want to <laughs> do. Uh, and so it was actually very special to me because Billy was involved and we, we'd been friends like for years at that point. And he just showed up at the studio and it wasn't even a writing session. Really? And he just. So you guys wrote that and not even a scheduled writing session? Yeah. Right, that's cool. Yeah, so. how, how fast did that come out? You know, sometimes you sit down to create and stuff just falls out again. Sometimes you just beat yourself in the head. And you're like, I don't have it today. But that song, if it's not a planned session, did that just kind of come out of you guys pretty quickly? Very fast. It was it was a miracle. Like I feel like all these songs are really just super blessings, man. When they when they work, we just got to be available and ready to receive the beautiful blessing, man. Uh, let's play "Speak to a Girl." You mentioned this earlier. This is from Tim and Faith. That's how you talk to a woman. It's gotta be pretty cool whenever a song that you write and you know you have people out pitching these songs or finding these songs and somebody like faith and tim go hey we think that's good enough for us to sing mm-hmm. like that's gotta be like one of the greatest feelings is something you created one of the biggest most influential most powerful country artists in the past hundred years yeah it's like that's good enough i love it yeah i mean do you need those sometimes to kind of go oh man like, like if you're if nothing works for a while you're like man i've been writing Nobody's picked up anything. You ever have one of those? They're like, we love it. You're like, okay, I'm back in. I feel like I'm kind of back in the game. I'm rejuvenated. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. I would think with me, because this this industry's so many failures. It's mm. it's most it's mostly failing. Mm, yeah. And it's can you kind of withstand all the failing to get to the success? You know. A- absolutely, man. You know, That's what it's all about. When Tim and Faith, if they say we want to sing that song, I gotta imagine that feels great. Yeah, make you want to cry, man. <laughs> and the first time you heard it, do you remember the first time you heard it after they cut it? Yeah, it was on the radio. That's the first time you heard it on the radio? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, they played it like on every single radio station um, that for, they like premiered it. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was pretty cool. Man. It was you wrote Heaven, beautiful. Kane Brown, Matt, Massive. Everybody's talking about heaven like they just can't Woo! wait to go. I mean, Massive. Yeah. <laughs> Did you write this with Kane? No, Kane was there though. He was upstairs writing another song. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, he rented a lake house, or and you guys all got it. got a bunch of writers out and all yeah. writing. Mm-hmm. And so you guys wrote that while Kane was upstairs writing another one. Yeah, he even came down. And we went. We hadn't even finished it, and we were like, "You want to finish this?" He was like, "Nah, y'all go ahead, man." And uh, that was cool of him to do that though, too. Dude, Kane is Kane is a man. That's one thing I love about country music too, and these artists. I've I've met so many genuine people that have just not been you know that the la pop thing or or it can just be real sharkish you know and just so i've i've just met so many good people that just are like family and friends around here man and and if you're listening and you're 
wondering why I say that's cool of him to do. Kane could have easily walked down, written a line or two, changed a couple words earlier, and then been a full songwriter and taken part of the publishing. For sure. Like that was that was him going, No, you guys keep that money. Yeah. That's that's what that was. And that's what exactly that's what happened. Yeah. You guys made a whole lot more money because Kane was cool. For sure, man. And I'm very grateful. Thank you, Kane. Love you, big dog. <laughs> For real. Yeah, Kane's a good dude, man. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Um, one call away from Charlie Puth, 2016. I gotta imagine financially, this song has been the biggest for you. Yeah, for sure. Right? Because it's, I mean, it's, it's it pop, it's international. It's it was just a, a mass everywhere you went. This yes, song sir. was being played for a while. Yeah, man. You ever go to like Kroger and it's playing over the top? Yeah, I've been all over the place. It's been playing, man. When you wrote this one, tell me about that. That was a that was a great blessing too, because. I really, I really wanted to get out of L.A. and I didn't want to leave until I did something. I felt, you know, I really got something great out of the, the place and I could, I could move on, you know, because it is, it's, it's, it's just vultures, man, and it's sharks and it's hard. But they called me one day, said, "Hey, we got this soulful guy. Can you please work with him?" And he had the Fast and the Furious song, like getting ready to. It what it wasn't even. I don't even think the movie was out yet. They had him and him and Wiz Khalifa had sung the song on on a late night show. I looked at, it. I was like, "That's cool." So I went and hooked up with him, and so I started writing with him. As I'm writing with him, the song's blowing up, and he's becoming this massive star. And so then he he rented a house, and this was in Montecito, California, uh, by Santa Barbara, and all. That's why I moved to Santa Barbara after that, and because <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, we stayed in that house for like for like. Three, four days, man. And, you know, everybody wrote 
and I don't know where all those songs went, but it was like the last day, and they just said, let's just go sit by a fire pit. And we sat by the fire pit. I, I have this guitar, because you saw me play the mandolin. So I have this guitar that I tune like a mandolin. It's only got four strings on it. It's called a tenor guitar, and I had it with me. And that's one of the best lessons I could tell anybody. Like That was not a scheduled session either. It was just, let's go sit by the fireplace late at night. And so because I brought that, like it changed everything it changed my life just because i picked that up why why because you picked that up because otherwise we would have just went and sat by the fireplace and just talked you know talked and laughed and then maybe drank some drink went to sleep but instead i brought that i'm picking around on it we're we're just kicking around ideas and that song just came out pretty instantly too whenever i've talked or worked with some la songwriters versus nashville songwriters and i'm curious to know how how your creative process is a lot of I would say more so of the LA people that I've either talked with or worked with write the melody first. Mm. And for those, if you're listening, the difference would be like one call away, there would be no words to it, but you would sit, you'd go, and you haven't assigned any words yet, but you're writing all the melody. Right. Where some, a lot of my friends in Nashville are very, like they've got concepts for lyrics, they've got a bunch of lyrics, they don't have any melody to it yet. They'd be like, all right. I'm um, uh, only one call away. Like they, they know what they want to say, but they don't have a melody yet. For sure. When you write, are you writing melody first most of the time, or are you writing like concept lyrically? Most of the time, I am more like the melody thing because I feel like, like even I, I remember Michael Jackson saying a long time ago that like he goes all over the world and people don't even know the language, but they know the song because the melody is is so important. So and also when I get to scatting. Like, my, I will say something, like, scat, almost say a word, and we'll just listen to it. The beauty of the fact that we can record it all right there, sing through auto-tune, have fun with it, you know, hit all these different notes. And then you're like, wait a minute, dude, sounds like you're saying this. Like, maybe we should write about that. Or it'll just give you a feeling or an emotion so it can, it can you know, bring a concept to you by that. But I also love, you know, sitting around, you know, when you're just walking around every day, somebody will say something and uh, he said, oh, yeah, that's a good song. Let me put that in my phone or something. And so I love the Nashville way of, you know, just having really, really thought out uh, ideas and how, how they want to approach it. And then just, you know, I love both of them. It's, it's great to switch it up. When you did One Call Away, did you melody at first? Were you sitting around? No, actually, um, DJ Frankie, he was sitting there and he said, I got ideas. I just want to write One Call Away. He said, I got this much. I'm only one call away. And he had that much, and I, I had the guitar, and I said, I'll be there to save the day. And I just started playing the chords, and Mozella, another great writer, she said, Superman got nothing <laughs> on me. And then I just bookended it. I'm only one call away. There's the hook, like instantly, man. And then I just, we just started kicking around the uh, verse ideas, man. And and there was an A&R guy sitting right there with us who was the A&R for Charlie, and, and he's, he was saying, this is a hit. This is a hit. It's nothing like writing a... Right, writing something with the A&R. Usually you don't want them around. And they wouldn't be in the studio, but we're just hanging out. And the fact that he was just saying it was going to be a hit the whole time. We're like, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Here is uh, Never Coming Down that uh, you're on this song with Keith. Keith Urban, here you go. When the sun goes down, stars come out. It's a
You beatboxing this song? Yeah. Is that right? I'm trying to remember correctly because we just put in clips, but I'm thinking back to this this record in general. There's a whole beatbox. Oh, here it is, right here. Well, the band's on fire, and the beer's cold. Is it to go in? And, did you do this in the studio with Keith? Yeah, it was a blast. It was the funnest session. Man. Do you feel pressure to perform? in a small room with Keith or does he make it loose where it's like, hey, just go do your thing and if it don't work this time, we'll figure something out next time. He makes it loose. Yeah? Yeah. I've, I've felt pressure. I've been doing it a long time. Like, uh, Nelly was the first person to give me a chance, a real chance in the, in the industry and when I used to go around him, like, I was super nervous, man. And, you know, after time, I just less nervous as time goes on. Here is Good As You, number one, Kane Brown, again. But baby, I just wanna be good as you. Girl, you're more than just a surface. And then I'll play this one, and we, this is this song here, uh, God Whispered Your Name. Like, I love it so much. We, I got married a couple weeks ago here at the house. Woo! And we played, this is the song that we played as right before she walked down the aisle. Dang, that yeah, is amazing, yeah, dude. I, and I've told Keith this many times, because uh, I don't think Keith wrote it. I know you wrote it. I think you guys wrote it and got it to Keith, right? Yeah, and he produced the, the, yeah. the shoo, shoo, shoo out of it. And I talked to Keith. I was like, man, that song means so much to us. Uh, and he would have been at the wedding. They were out of they were out of the country, but we played it as as all of our uh, what do you call it? brides bridesmaids bridesmaids walk down. But this song to me, like in the last few years, you wrote it. I can tell you to your face, like this is one of the best songs that that my ears have been exposed to in a long time because I was feeling it in my life when this song mm. was out yeah man you know and I think that's a big part of enjoying a song too yeah connecting to it right it's like the actual connection of it yeah so congratulations on that one too man thank you I, that means so much to me I appreciate it I got like you know goosebumps with you saying that man I want to see some of that footage if I can <laughs> sometime man um, you you still play saxophone at all nah I'm gonna pick it back up though when did you stop playing? Um, well, I was really playing in like in middle middle school in the um, in the band in school and stuff. And when we went to high school, the band had to play during the football game. And I said, "Well, I can't. I need to go play football. I can't just <laughs> I can't let them play football." And I come out with a saxophone in the middle of a football <laughs> game. Man. There was a, a there was a player at Arkansas named Dan Hampton who ended up being in the NFL Hall of Fame, but he would go out. It, in the Arkansas football games. He wouldn't go in at halftime in his full football uniform. Whoa. Hall of Fame player would go out and play in the band. No way. Yeah, yeah pretty crazy. That's awesome. To look see. back at now. Did you ever go play like on Bill Street? I did. Yeah, you know what's up, man. And so were you playing saxophone out there? I was. My dad took me down there. And what was the goal? To get better? To make money? Both? It was just for fun. Yeah, to get better. Definitely to get better. Like he would put me in there with musicians that the whole thing was just a freestyle impromptu you know thing jazz music and they they would just give me a chance to just hit a solo as long as i know what key it's in i just is that an instrument you could pick back up though and in a week be able to play a little bit Uh, yeah uh maybe a little bit longer than a week (laughs) i could figure it out if i put one pull it out mike no i don't have one i don't have one (laughs) could you figure out something if i handed you one right now just to be serviceable yeah I, i could i could do a little something on there it's all about that reed and like you gotta suck on the reed, and make it all wet and moist. Yeah, that that if you just pick it up and it's dry and it'll start screeching. <laughs> I just it's like nails on the chalkboard, man. You played at Watershed <laughs> this past weekend. You do a whole set. I did, man. When you do your sets, and how long was the set you played this weekend? An hour. Okay. Do you play some of the songs that you've written 
Yeah, I try. I play a lot of them. Do you tell people so they know you wrote it and you're not just covering it? Yeah, I, I got to tell them. I hope they're listening. You know, <laughs> because I, the beauty of having these songs is that I get to play songs people know, and it's nothing like playing songs people know that they can sing along to. As opposed to here's twelve, fifteen songs that are coming out that you guys have never heard. It's not as fun. Did you played at uh, Lollapalooza as well. Yeah, man. You had a big weekend. That's why I wasn't giving you a hard time when you're like, I just woke up. I was like, if I'd have had your weekend, I don't know that I'd have woken up at all on a Monday. <laughs> but uh, so well, you went from Gorge, Washington, Seattle-ish to Chicago. Mm-hmm. What, was the, what was the difference in the vibe for those two festivals? It was one of the funnest weekends of my life, dude, because the Gorge was crazy. And the the weather, like in Seattle, we flew into Seattle first and, and, first and got to the weather was just perfect, man. Was, I got to see one of my childhood friends out there. And then Tim, I literally got on stage with Tim McGraw and sang I Like It, I Love It with him. <laughs> I couldn't believe I got to sing that song with him, you know. Do you have to ref- – and, and this is what I was going to tell earlier. I was I was um, doing something in Austin. There was a, a festival, and Sugarland was playing, and they were doing – it was when Christian and Jennifer got back together. Mm. They had put out a record, and they were back, and they were doing – um, stuck like glue mm-hmm. and I know Christian really well he had opened for me when I was doing some comedy some theater stuff and I'd like Christian come out and you know pl- just play before me for half an hour mm. and so so for part of like that that area Georgia Alabama it was easy for him to get to so he came out and did some shows with us because he lives in Atlanta Wow! and so we were in Austin they were together and he was like hey you want to come out and do a song with us with Sugarland and I was like not really because <laughs> I know what I'm good at and what I'm not and I don't need to go out and try to sing some Sugarland stuff or anything and he was like, well, come out and do like the rap part to Stuck Like Glue. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I'm just going to be in it enough to just walk out and feel that immediately. Yeah. Like there was, I said, but, and so the, the network was going, hey, we do something, come in and do something so we can put it on TV. So we're looking for one of these performances from Sugarland. If you want to go out, if you will do this, this will be the one we use for TV. And I was like, okay, and that's a, and that's a, <laughs> For, that's for me. That's a weird kind of hip. I don't know. What you call Jennifer doing that? I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's hip hop. It's kind of rap, but it's like, uh, damba da ba do da. I don't know. I don't know what to call. And, it well, I don't know what to call it either. <laughs> and I hope that's not offensive to you. Nah, man. She, they made that part yeah. shoot anyway. <laughs> and so I go out and I tried. I tell you, I went out and I did it. I give it a C minus. <laughs> I, I, but my my point is, I looked over all the words and that the the words to that. They weren't hard to remember, but I didn't want to mess up that that project, mm-hmm. right? And you go out with Tim, and you're doing "I like it, I love it." Mm-hmm. You can't mess up those words. Can't mess them so up. So, do you? Are you staring at it beforehand, just going, "I know, I know the words, but I need to make sure again." Definitely was, man. Because I was doing that too. Like I knew every word, just stuck like glue. Mm-hmm. But I was like, "All right, sweet, sweet sugar boat over." You know, yeah. I was, <laughs> let me see. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh oh, uh oh. And you feel like you did good. You come off stage you're like I nailed it. Um. You know, just gonna be honest. I think I might have. I think I might have goofed up the first line, <laughs> which was which was pretty. I, I think I played it off okay. To, you know, Tim Tim helped me out, but uh, I think I killed the rest of it. I gotta wash my hot truck and dress up. I, I don't think I got that truck line right right away. I kind of th- just went up there and I was like, oh shoot, it's really time. Here we go. I gotta, I perform- gotta watch. What did I? What am I supposed to say? Earlier uh, that day, how did you perform? Yeah. Okay. So you were still in it though a little bit. Yeah, man. It was it was it was yeah. a blast. Like we could. Yeah. They, they didn't they didn't know, man. 
No, they never know. But I'm going to tell you the real, man. (laughs) As long as you're smiling and you're having a good time, the crowd is too. That's what I learned a long time ago. Yeah. they don't know if you mess up. Mm-hmm. You play it off. Yeah. You know, so many of my friends would go like, hey, if I forget a word, I'll just put the mic out there. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody just sings it back. Um, Especially that song, man. Yeah. So let's talk about the new song for a second. Because you guys came in on the show, Beer With My Friends. Yeah, you, man. And Cole Swindell and David Lee Murphy came in. I'll play a little clip of this for you. Woo! So, how's this song doing right now? How do you feel? Like, do you feel like starting to cut through a little bit? Yeah, I think so for yeah. sure. Like, as soon as we put it out, people were hearing it all in Florida. They're like, man, we, you know, uh, over the holiday weekend or something it was, and uh, yeah, it's, it's been really uh, doing good on the on the streaming and stuff. And Who'd you write that one with? David Lee Murphy and Brian Simpson. Yeah, and Brian's been replaced by Cole Swindell. <laughs> That's right, that's right. David Lee Murphy's like the greatest dude, though, right? He's so phenomenal, man. He's just, everybody always says he's the coolest guy, and he is. He just comes around, and he's got great ideas, and he's a phenomenal writer. And it was just fun to hang out with, man. And whenever you guys, because you have this song, were you writing it for you to cut, or were you writing it, you are just writing a song that day? We're just writing a song. Most of the time, I don't try to even, you know, make it so make it about me. I just want to make sure we're getting the best song. But uh yeah, there's another one that just came out real fast. It was Brian's idea. He was like, "This song be with my friends." I'm like, "All right, that's cool." And not 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 too complicated, you know? And we just wrote it on the guitar and it was and it was great and they loved it. I loved it. But once we really demoed it, it was like, "Ooh, this thing is like slapping." You know? And uh Man, Kenny helped us out, man. Kenny and Buddy Cannon. Kenny Chesney and Buddy, Buddy Cannon went in the studio. They sped it up and got all those guitars rocking. Once he sped it up and stuff, I was like, oh, this thing is party central. So why did you cut it? Why did I cut why it? Why did you cut it? Because I loved it. Were you moved? Yeah. Huh? I loved it, man. I was like, I, this was just bona fide hit to me, you know? And uh, I just, I wanted them, I wanted to get some cool guys on there with me to just be with my friends and David I was like I'd love, love for you to just get on here with me man let's just do it together because it, 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 that was the demo me and him just did the demo I was just I love this let's just do this and what about Cole how'd you uh, come to inviting Cole to do the song I've always liked Cole I love his music and you know we we want to do we've been wanting to do something together and we're on the same label so I asked Chris Lacey I was like can you, can you just send this to Cole and right away as soon as he heard it he loved it and and just came to to the studio, man, and made it happen. Were you planning on pursuing the solo artist career at this point? Or did you write this song and it kind of shoved you into doing it and committing to it? Nah, it's actually been my plan ever since I was a youngster, man, like a long time. So I've had, this is my third major label record deal. I've probably had five or six record deals. And I just really finally got a great team with Warner Brothers, you know, Espo and Chris Lacey and all these great people at um at warner here and i had i had just put out uh good love was was a song i put out you know like last year or like whatever but so we'd, we'd already been promoting and pushing pushing the artist thing man i was like this one will hit them hard right how here. do you feel like you feel like it's going good like you feel like like radio's like this is one i mean yeah 
That's yeah. the one they really wanted. I, I went on a I went on a radio tour. Oh, um, you did the radio tour. I did was in, in the middle of, in the middle of COVID. I was the first one to actually go out. Like they had a whole idea to, to send me out there on a bus and bring the speakers out and and do this whole presentation on people's in front front yards in front of their wow house or in front of their uh, you know radio station. And we hit a whole bunch of them. And every time I played that song, they're like, "We want that song. We want that song." And so I'm just so glad I finally can give it to him, man. Let me play a little bit of Good Love so people know what you're talking about. If you had to pick one, artist, songwriter, producer, and that was all you could do, mm. which one are you choosing? Oh, just for me? Just for you. If you can only do one. If I could only do one. Oh, nobody's ever put it like that. Uh, I, I would I would have to say just just writing because then I would be singing songs I didn't write, right? Yeah. So I love singing to people, but yeah, I, I I love to create. If I if I you know I, I would love to create, man. It's, what are you it's doing? A great feeling. Like what do you do for fun? What's what do you do in Nashville? Like create songs <laughs> for fun for you. Yeah. I mean that's probably why you're so good at what you do, right? I mean I feel like for me that's the case. Like I enjoy what I do, so I get better at it because I love doing it. Yeah. You know, and I'm kind of inspired by the job. For sure, man. Which makes me better at the job. Yeah. So if you take yourself out of music, though, like, what are you what are you doing around town? Yeah, I've been trying to, you know, have more fun outside of music like that. But uh, mm, I like to play basketball. I like to, uh, you know, be out in nature, get on a boat somewhere, or uh, go jump on one of these horses out there in the country, bareback, see what they're going to do. <laughs> See what they're gonna do never works out for me. Yeah. That, that's see what they're gonna do never is good. Never is good. Well, listen, man, I, I'm super pumped you came by. I know you had a, a a crazy weekend, but I'm glad you came over at the house, said what up, and I'm so grateful to be here, man. I think it's what I like about you coming by is we were able to because we've been talking for 40 minutes or so. But once people see your entire package together, mm. they don't realize how much they've been secretly influenced by Shy Carter. Yeah, like. And that's kind of the, the plight of the songwriter. Sometimes uh-huh. I got buddies that have written a ton of number ones, and nobody knows who they are. Right. And they always wanted to be an artist, mm-hmm. but they never either committed to it or they never felt confident enough to go for it. Yes, sir. And so, I mean, you wrote all that, and now you're just like, let's go, like yeah. let's, let's go, and I'm, you know, you're gonna be the face of of you. That's right, man. That's really cool. That, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm a big fan. Thank you, sir. You know. I'm a big fan of yours. I, I I have a question for you. Okay. Is how how do you possibly do a radio show, podcast, TV shows, all these different things, man? You, God gave you a little bit of extra hours in a day, or you I just don't. wake up at three every morning? <laughs> I don't know if it's extra hours, and I say this, <laughs> I say this as, and I mean this, as I say because I I'm not that talented at anything. Like just no, I, just hear me out. Hear I'm me hearing, out. I'm hear hearing. me out. I don't have a skill. I don't have something. I don't have a gift of a skill that God gave me that I'm like, I naturally am good at music or mm. I'm a great communicator or I'm great. But what I, this, but what I was given mm. was I, no one is more tenacious than I am. Like mm. I don't, I don't, if I have a goal, I don't stop. Wow. And even if I suck and I don't stop, I get better as I not stop. Mm. None of this makes sense in the English language. Everything I'm saying here is wrong, but <laughs> I don't quit, and because I don't quit, I continue to learn. Yeah. So eventually, I get good at stuff, 
because I've been bad at it so long and I've just, hey, and I've just kept on. Yeah. So the, and so now I'm pretty good at a lot of things. I can yeah. write books, I can do TV, I can do radio. Not great at any of it, but my my trick, you know, in my pocket has been I just don't quit. Wow. I appreciate that question. That's how I have time is that I just grind. But now I have a wife. I just got married. Yeah, First time ever. Yeah, man. And I have a wife and her goal with me sometimes is stop. Like, yeah. Like it you're not your job. Yeah. It's a big part of who you are. Mhm. But I put so much worth into what I created because I never had anything growing yeah. up. I was just a poor kid. Yeah. You know. But now you got somebody who sees the worth in you, and she they're like, "You don't even that. need all that. You are, you are already worthy, man. You can relax a little bit." She tells me that. I don't know that I always believe her, <laughs> yeah. but we're getting there. Yeah. And so for me, I appreciate that question. But yeah. this, this is not about me. This is about you. No, but I, I have seen like that's the that's the number one thing I see in life in general, man. It's it's never the person that's just the most talented or whatever. It's the person who works the hardest, man, and just never gives up. That always went. That becomes the the real winner, man. And most of the times, we're talking about this is an industry where you don't have a lot of success until you get some success. Like you're always fighting failure. Mm-hmm. Like nobody sees when you're failing. So if you can just continue swimming, yeah, you'll get to the other side. Same for me, man. Yeah, nobody sees. Nobody sees all the songs that you write that don't get cut. That's right. Nobody sees all the times I didn't get hired or I get told no for projects. But what they do see is when it does work out. Mm-hmm. And as long as we can continue, we can withstand the no's. Mm-hmm. They can't keep us from the yeses. Then one day you'll be ballroom ballroom dancing one in front day. of America, boy. <laughs> I did, hey, I did win that one, and that was not good. That was not good. All right, you guys, uh, follow Shy. Shy Carter Official on Instagram. Uh, stream Beer With My Friends. Check it out. If you see him in your town, go see him. I uh, love the guy. Uh, again, follow him at Shy Carter Official. Shy, good to talk to you, man. You too, my brother. Woo! Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Iberostar Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.